I like cute clothes. I like having stylish outfits and I hate shopping. Armoire makes getting dressed easier. Armoire is a clothing rental membership option. And Janet and I recently have both tried it out. And you guys, it is so much fun. You go to their website, you get to take a little quick style quiz, takes five minutes, and then you get presented a list of beautiful clothing, pictures, wonderful clothes that you can pick out and get delivered to your house for you to try and wear in the comfort of your own home without going out and determine what looks cute, put together outfits without investing a ton of money. Right now, our listeners can give Armoire a try and get up to 50% off your first month. That is up to $125 off. Just visit armoire.style slash envoys. That's armoire.style, A-R-M-O-I-R-E, dot style slash envoys to get 50% off your first month and never have to worry about what to wear again. Try armoire today. This is On Boys Parenting Podcast. We are your co-hosts, Jennifer L.W. Fink, mom of four boys. And I'm Janet Allison, teacher of many more. Thanks for joining us as we share real talk about parenting, teaching, and reaching tomorrow's men. Did you know that 93% of kids don't eat enough fruits and vegetables? You may have one of those children like my niece who ate only macaroni and cheese for about six of her formative years. <laughs> Many kids kind of fixate on one particular food and you are tearing your hair out, dear listeners, trying to make sure that they have a balanced diet. I will say from the benefit of the years, my niece now is a grown woman and has two healthy kids. So that mac and cheese sustained her, but our kids need more nutrition than we are able to give them in their regular diet. Which is why so many of us look to vitamins to fill those gaps. And so many of us, myself included, have been dissatisfied with what we find on the shelves. We recently connected with a new to us company called Haya Health, and they have chewable vitamins for kids that are non-GMO, vegan, dairy-free, allergy-free, gluten-free, nut-free, all of that. And they fill in the gaps in modern children's diets in a chewable vitamin that kids love. My guys liked it and my guys uh, are kind of picky. Yeah, so they've been kid tested. This is a pediatrician approved, super powered, chewable vitamin. It was created by two dads that were tired of children's vitamins that actually cause more problems than they solve. So with these vitamins, with Haya Health, you know that you're getting zero sugar and zero gummy junk, and yet it tastes great and it's perfect for picky eaters. We've worked with Haya Health and we have an exclusive offer for you. If you go to Haya Health and use the onboys code at checkout, you can get 50% off your first order. Go to Haya Health, H-I-Y-A-H-E-A-L-T-H.com 
and enter on boys to get that 50% off. So get full body nourishment so that your boys can grow into healthy adults. That's hayahealth.com slash on boys. My 14-year-old son filled out his first job application yesterday. He's been working for a long time. He is self-employed. He has a lawn service. Um, He also works for his dad who has a smoothie business. But this has me thinking about our boys and the work world, what's available to them now, what's coming in the future. It occurs to me that as parents of boys, we're kind of simultaneously always dealing in these two realms, helping them survive the here and now and preparing them for the future. And that's really hard because we don't really know what's coming. None of us knew that the pandemic was happening this year. Did you know, Janet? I had no clue, Jen. You did not. You also didn't know that you would be shut up in your house due to wildfire smoke. But here Mm. we are. Here we are. Mm -hmm. Joining us today for this conversation is Ed Frauenheim. Ed is an author and a journalist and a father. And he is a co-author of a soon-to-be-out book called Reinventing Masculinity, The Liberating Power of Compassion and Connection. Long-time listeners, you know we talk about this a lot. So we're really eager to have Ed on. And we're specifically talking about work, partly because one of the things that he's done over the past many years is he's been a writer and researcher at Great Places to Work. So he's really up on the world of work. Welcome, Ed. Thanks so much, Jen. And thanks, Janet, for having me today. So masculinity and work. As women, I think one of the very first things that occurs to us is that um, work has, the work world has kind of been built around masculine norms for a really long time. That is true, yes, uh, but changing. And I think what's one of the things we talk about in our book uh, as we think about uh, a reinvention of masculinity that's underway, uh, Jen and Janet, and the, those norms are really shifting from a more kind of competitive dog-eat-dog world of uh, a rat race in which a lot of men have controlled the power uh, of organizations to what we call um, a flatter, faster, and fairness-focused world of work. Uh, and by that, we were talking about the ways that organizations uh, are having to become more uh, distributed in the way they, they make decisions. They're become more flat with uh, more ad hoc teams and, and uh, relationships that are called matrix reporting relationships. So you might be on one team, but because cross-functional work is so important and more innovative, you're reporting to multiple people. Uh, so you have to get used to not being just a boss commanding people. What we mean by flatter, and that takes a different kind of masculinity to, to, to be more collaborative, less about I'm going to dominate the other people, I'm more going to persuade people. Um, the faster piece has to do with uh, the fact that there's so much disruption happening in the digital realm, especially mm. that organizations have to, to make decisions very quickly, often needing their frontline people to, to make choices. So again, you can't have a traditional top-down, I'm going to 
boss people around, I, I, get, I can't learn fast enough if I do that. I need to let the frontline people make a quick decision about what to do in a certain circumstance. And it also requires a level of vulnerability because you have to constantly mm -hmm. learn. And that old, old style of I know best and I am the kind of uh, supreme knowledge of this organization doesn't fly so much. If you have to learn quickly, you've got to be really willing to be kind of uh, vulnerable about your knowledge and, and what you have to learn. And the fairness piece is really this whole men notion of inclusion and diversity we've been learning about so much over the last year and the need to, to make room uh, and to really examine power and privilege so that women and people of color uh, are treated truly fairly. And that's becoming a requirement in organizations. So again, if men come in with uh, some traditional notions that they may be better than women or that they aren't examining the, the sort of privilege they've had in the world, it's they're going to find themselves not very welcome and, and mm -hmm. struggling in these organizations that are demanding a greater level of, of, uh, of equitable behavior and inclusive uh, behavior. Sounds a lot like parenting, Ed. <laughs> yes, that's well put. <laughs> yeah, and you said, I, I liked in your chapter about the reinventing masculinity at work that, you know, our millennials, so it's kind of like being pushed from the bottom up. Our millennials have been raised and schooled to have a say and be collaborative, but also have their balance of work life. They want a meaningful life. They don't want to fall into this pattern that say my dad was in of you go to work and you provide and that's pretty much what you do. Yeah, that's a great point. And I, I, I'm I'm a, millennial, I'm a millennial fan. I know there's a lot of like critics out there and yes, yeah, certainly that generation has some, you know, they have, we can find some flaws there, but I think you're right, Janet, that they are pushing for a more holistic life uh, where I'm not going to be sacrificing my life to this uh, kind of treadmill of, of trying to get ahead in, in the work world. And, and especially seeing that organizations are often quick to lay people off. They haven't, there hasn't been a lot of loyalty on the corporation side over the That's last true. 30 or 40 years. Yeah, true. Um, so that, that sense of, of being more purpose oriented in your life and at work is, is really an emerging piece of the work world. And again, it's calling for a different kind of masculinity there as well. Let's talk about some of the terminology that you use. Um, as you know, from writing about masculinity, this can be a very fraught subject. And you know, people are protective of the term. Um, people are like, wait, 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 are you saying there's something wrong with being a man? No, 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 that's not what you're saying. And you and your co-author had to make some deliberate decisions about what kind of terminology you were going to use. And it strikes me that you choose to use the term liberating masculinity in mm -hmm. lieu of some people have heard toxic masculinity or stereotypical masculinity. Talk about why you chose that term and what you mean by that. Sure, yeah, thanks, Jen. Um, and it, is it okay if I kind of, go back to where the term that we see is the alternative to lib liberating masculinity, which is what we call confined masculinity. Yep. Um, and we, we chose that term to kind of capture what's been the more conventional, traditional uh, way of being a man for really thousands of years, um, which kind of boils down to uh, some limited traits, limited roles you can play as, as a guy really, uh, especially that protector and pro provider role, uh, being pretty stoic, focusing on, on beating others, that aggressive piece, uh, and also being very self-reliant, uh, highly high focus on independence. And what we say is that 
that there's some positive things about that way of being a man, but it's also quite limiting. And we think that it, you can really see it being outdated now, especially in the work world, unhealthy for, for guys and those around them, and sometimes even dangerous if we think about uh, some of the ways, the, some of the trends worldwide that are, that are underway, especially uh, with respect to, say, climate change and the ability to see what's happening and in our interconnectedness. So this liberating masculinity is what we see emerging as an alternative and a more timely, well-suited one for the 21st century. It does not throw away the uh, confined masculinity traits and roles, but rather adds to them uh, so that you can have take on other roles like caregiver or spiritual seeker or sensitive lover. Um, and you can have a greater ability to be emotionally available and intelligent, not just the stoic, I don't have emotions uh, or just anger is your emotion. Um, it also is a, got a, a willingness to collaborate, not just compete and see the interdependence of, of us as people and in planet. So we believe that this is a, it's not throwing the baby out with the bathwater. It's building on that foundation to say there's a, there's a way to be having a fuller life. And you are, we see this masculinity as freeing men and boys and those around them mm -hmm. have a fuller life and a more powerful life really. It's not that there's anything wrong with being a provider and a protector. Those are wonderful, valuable roles. And, you know, we are where we are because men have filled those roles for so many years. It's saying, hey, there's more to life and you deserve to have a relationship with your children. You deserve to have some fun in your life as well. <laughs> yes, that's, a, that's a, well put. Uh, we, in the, in the book, we, my, my co-author, Ed Adams, has been a psychologist working with men and, and boys for, for many years. It just has these very sad stories of men who just never had uh, a you know, rich interior life, an emotional life, often had very little relationship with their children. And as fathers, they were you know, taught, to, taught to be the, you know, the, the dad that is very uh, kind of buttoned up and, and non-expressive. And uh, there's some very just uh, poignant stories of, of guys that never had relationships that are, you know, now they're in 50s and 60s and wishing that they had a way to connect with their kids. And so this idea of being compassionate and connected at the heart of, a, of this, this newer masculinity is, is really, as your point, really allowing you to have a happier life as, as a guy. And again, I'll say this goes back to parenting and we're talking about dads and Jen and I have talked a lot on, on the podcast about how our dads now are at this crossroads. They're at the crossroads of their fathers were these confined males and we're calling on our dads now to be this more open and balanced person. And yet, I would love to hear what you have to say about how do we teach this? How do we bring this into the workplace? How do we, un, shall I say, unbutton our men? Can I say that? Ooh, say unzip. Gracie, <laughs> Janet. Uh, well, that's a great question. And uh, it's not an e easy one. It, we kind of identify a, a how. Uh, that we, we summarize with five C's. Um, and we call them um, curiosity, courage, compassion, connection, and, and commitment. First one is so important, the curiosity piece. And, and it strikes me your question about how do we start moving in that direction is listening to our boys 
you know, as yes. dads, you know, really understanding what they want. I think, Jen, you, in, in, a, in some writing you shared with me, you, you talked about a kid who had a, you know, wanted to dance, say, or, or have some unconventional desires. And if we take those, if we listen to our kids and, and learn from them and, and really respect them, honor what they want to do, that just opens up wonderful possibilities. Uh, there's, I have a story in the book about one of my best friends from college who I, I find to be such a great parent, a great dad of two boys, and he is just a kid watcher. He just watches his kids so carefully. He knows what they're going to do. I tell how he, we're at a skate park and he's watching his son from halfway across the park. And he's like, Joaquin's going to try to do this trick and he's not going to succeed. And it's going to endanger other people because the skateboard will roll back. And then, sure enough, that happened like <laughs> across the, the entire skate park. And, uh, but he kind of corrected him in this kind of kind and firm way. And, and his son, Joaquin, who's also my godson, is just turning out to be this wonderful young man. And I think that's what we, if we can start with curiosity, learning and listening, I think there's a lot of power there. Mm-hmm. And we talk about that all the time, how important it is to really see and pay attention to your boys. And I think a lot of boys get the message that what they're interested in is not okay, not worthy of our time. It's very easy for us parents to be like, why are you playing that stupid game all the time? Why are you wasting all your time at the skate park? You know, all of that stuff. But what I've learned as a parent is that it really doesn't matter what your kid is interested in. What matters is that this deep passion, this interest in something. And if we as the parents, grandparents, educators can you know, show interest in what they're interested in, that makes a big difference. I love that. That's just, that touches on one of my own challenges that, that I, I don't put in the book, but I, I, I had to really kind of rethink what's important, what's okay to be a, uh, a, a young man uh, from with my own son who's now 17, but we put him in all this, the soccer and the baseball and the football all those competitive sports that kind of dominate the landscape of our youth. Yes. Uh, but he never was a very competitive kid. You know, he actually won, he scored the championship goal in sixth grade, fifth grade. And I was like, you did it, you did it. And he's like, well, dad, I didn't really love that because my, my teammates were not really nice to me or I didn't have a great connection with them. And I'm like, oh my God, he has more deeper concerns than just winning, uh, which is so much what we're taught. And it really, really yeah. likes to do is go mountain biking, uh, not racing, but just, having fun with tricks and, and doing jumps and, and uh, this other way of, of expressing and being physical that I had to really, you know, challenge my own beliefs uh, and, and listen to him, to your point, Jen, to, to kind of really have a better relationship and, and help him thrive. And it's challenging those beliefs about masculinity that we've been internalized with. Like when I grew up, like getting the winning goal, this is peak guy stuff. You are at the top of the hierarchy if you can do that. And your son already is able to say, "Eh, I mean, it didn't really personally mean that much to me. God bless this next generation, Janet. Yeah. Well, and speaking of sports, talk about some of the professional sports figures who have really brought a a big change. And, you know, our boys, our, our boys and our men are watching the Steph Curry's, the, you know, that they're the LeBron James who's out there building schools and really using their, using their fame for good. Yeah. Great. Thank you for asking about that. I, I am a, I am a sports junkie of sorts, even though I'm also kind of wary that we have too much sports in our lives. Uh, and I love that. I think that there are, uh, there are 
sports leaders that are doing exactly what you're saying, Janet. They're showing a new way. They're actually, we talk about them in the book. They're, they're demonstrating this more liberating masculinity as a, and, and how powerful it is. And if you look at Steph Curry, say, and winning three championships for the Warriors in, in recent years, he won with joy, you know, not anger. That was the way Michael mm -hmm. Jordan won going back right. 20, 30 years. Uh, but, but Steph Curry and one with humility, like deferring to his teammates saying, you know what, I'm going to take a back seat or well, we're going to share power with Kevin Durant, his teammate on the Golden State Warriors basketball team. And that's how they won, you know, with, with, with a sense of, of community and, and Steve Kerr, their coach brought these great values of compassion and mindfulness uh, along with competition. It, again, showing you, you're not necessarily getting rid of the conventional masculine beliefs, but you're adding to them. And if you look at, as you said, LeBron James and, and the, import, the importance of taking a stand on the, the wider society right now, seeing our interconnectedness as a community, the need to, to really address racial injustice, um, I think it, I think it's a great, those are some great role models and they're showing really the power, the ability to, to succeed in life when you adopt some of these wider, newer uh, ways of being a man. Yeah. Yeah. And I love that they're turning sports arenas over to polling places in November and like the Mavericks, and, right? Yeah. yeah Mavericks and doing that. Taking on that larger social justice piece and concern about the wider world rather than just the narrow view of, you know, it's all about it's all about the sport and winning. This episode is sponsored by By Heart. Babies need to eat. And whether you breastfeed or bottle feed, use formula, combine all of the above, you need options. We wanted to let you know about By Heart Baby Formula. Byheart has a patented protein blend that gets the closest to breast milk. It includes two of the most abundant proteins in breast milk. And Byheart actually ran a clinical trial comparing their formula to a leading infant formula and proved that babies on Byheart have softer poops, less spit up, and easier digestion. Byheart is also the only U.S. made infant formula to use organic grass-fed whole milk. So if you need baby formula for your baby, consider Byheart. New customers can get 10% off your first order by using code ONBOYS at byheart.com. That's B-Y-H-E-A-R-T dot com slash podcast. And it is 10% off your first order. Byheart.com slash podcast. This is a limited time offer and additional terms and conditions may apply. We all know that vitamins can help fill nutritional gaps in our diet, but a lot of us don't like to take vitamins because we don't like swallowing pills. How do you feel about that, Janet? There's some days that I look at my vitamins and go, yeah, I should take those. I'll do it later. But I'll tell you what's changed. I have gotten easy melt vitamins. I have the D3 and I have the B12s and a multivitamin and I just pop them in my mouth and they dissolve and I don't have to think about swallowing a vitamin. And you don't necessarily need water either to have on hand to get this big vitamin now. Yeah, no, and they taste good and they're sugar-free. They melt quickly. The reason they melt is because of plants not chemicals. Ah, plant-based nutrition. For a limited time only, you can receive a free, free 
three-month supply of Easy Melt Vitamin D3 with your first purchase. To claim your free D3, visit try.easymelts.com slash onboys. That's try, T-R-Y, dot easymelts, E-Z-M-E-L-T-S, dot com forward slash onboys. So as we are helping our boys grow, we're guiding them through everything from potty training to learning how to drive and relationships. And let's talk about consent and all, all of that. What kinds of things should we be doing to prepare them for the world of work? What skills should we be nurturing? I think that, that you know, it comes back to you know, at a high level, this, these notions of compassion and connection. If we can help our boys realize it is, you know, okay to, to follow your heart, to, to not shut that off, you know, uh, and to see that we are in community with each other. These are natural human traits that in many ways, the conventional masculinity kind of push to the side and say, you're not, you're not, it's not okay to like feel bad about the kid who's who got beat up on the playground. Cause you don't want to be aligned with the group. That's the losers. You know, yeah. you, you want to be, yeah. you know, sticking with the bully and, and the, and the ones that are kind of dominating others. No, you know, in, in the, in the, in the work world that's emerging, what we're seeing is that the most successful people are in the words of Adam Grant out of Wharton school givers. They are not mm -hmm. takers. They are the ones that are actually, um, they are empathetic and they're willing to share. And as you know, as long as they're not letting themselves be a doormat either, you gotta be careful with that. But they're, this is the new skills in the work world are more about uh, soft skills. These are the success skills of the 21st century. Things like listening well, empathy, emotional intelligence so you can understand when your team teammates are struggling uh, and, and can't get the work done. You know, we, we've seen, you know, we, you guys may have heard of the Google study that the most important factor in Google's most successful team was the psychological safety, which basically amounts to providing a space where people feel cared for and, and are not going to be mocked when they share ideas mm -hmm. and who they are as, as people. So that these ideas of compassion and 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 feeling like you're part of a wider team and a network is, is very important for the for the work world that's emerging because you typically going to be part of teams that are spread out and teams of teams you can't just be a solo actor which maybe you could be more like 20 or 30 years ago and just have your own little silo that's not the way the work world is operating it's it's global it's it's digital it's fast-paced you have to be sensing and responding to others around you and your teammates so if you can, you know, just uh, not get rid of those human co qualities of, of caring, compassion, and a sense of community, those are, those are going to serve boys well. The beautiful thing for us as parents is what you're saying is the very things that most of us are here for, you know, our listeners and us. These are things we want to nurture and facilitate and grow in our boys. We want them to be compassionate human beings. We want them to be able to listen and communicate. And so what I hear you telling us is keep doing what you're doing. You don't need to yes. add on this whole separate and you got to do this and add this tutoring class and make sure that they're studying this subject and they know computer coding and language. Like those, those harder skills, those specific career skills, yes, there's room for that. But ultimately it's these quote unquote soft skills, this ability to relate to others that is so important across industries. Yeah, I think that's that's great. Yeah, it is encouraging. This is a very I think we're telling a hopeful story, as you put it, Jen, like and, and for parents, too. And, 
you know, one, one other way to frame it that, that we talk about in the book is that, you know, if you show up, you know, in, in that traditional conventional style of, of I'm going to like go out there and win the day and, 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 and rise to the top and maybe push down those around me, uh, you know, you can show up as um, rigid, cold, and isolated in, an, in a work world that's now calling for flexibility, warmth, and connection. So that's that's really what it what it boils down to. You you've got to be willing to be sort of changing your mind. Again, that vulnerability piece is important. You got to be warm so you can really create that that positive team dynamic where you're going to get the best out of your team if you're a leader or just a member of it. Um, and and this connection piece so you're not uh, isolated and 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 left behind as others move forward without you. So yeah, if the parents can provide those basic, wonderful human nurturing skills and, and traits, they're gonna help their kids succeed in the work world that's emerging. I'm gonna go somewhere a little uncomfortable, perhaps. We talk a lot as a society now about how, you know, all kids are not college material and the trades are a wonderful and fantastic option. And I've got um, my son who's filling out the job application. It's at, you know, a motorsport shop. I've got one who's likely looking into being a mechanic. Um, my dad ran an excavating company, so I grew up around, you know, construction and construction guys. I live in a very blue-collar town, and a lot of what I hear and see in that world is not exactly valuing compassion and empathy. So, how do we handle that, and how do we help our boys manage that conflict in, in, in duality. I mean, I have heard, I think we all have, like we, I've heard some pretty blatant sexism and racism and yes, it's in the white collar world as well, but like construction crews and Google are two very different places right now. Fair enough, Jen. Uh, yeah, great, great point. And I'll come back to those five C's and go on home in on the second one for a second, the courage one. Um, because I think that uh, for guys that are in some of those more traditional fields, maybe more uh, working class blue collar fields, they still have these human qualities, uh, but they're often, you know, have felt a lot of pressure to to deny them or to suppress conform. them and conform to your point. And what, what we have seen, um, you know, we have a story in the book uh, one of the guys that works uh, that has been in one of Ed Adams men's groups, my co-author Ed Adams, he owns a construction company in New Jersey. And the, as he, he worked with Ed as, as a psychologist because he was going through tough times in his life, he started opening up um, and, and, and ultimately had the courage to really see that emotional landscape of himself and then ultimately his, his employees. And so he, what he realized is we're going to have, we're going to have, company parties and we're going to invite the kids, we're going to invite the families. And I'm now going to see that my guys need time off to go to their kids' uh, soccer game, to their, their kids' recitals. And they're not just guys that are plugging in and just being, you know, muscle, but they are, they yes. are souls with, with children. And, and, and there's a, a wider way of, of being a leader here that I have to, to embrace. You know, you know, he, he, he was taking some risks there to, to sort of, you know, be emotionally, you know, vulnerable and, and, and let his guys uh, know it's okay to be a, a loving dad. Because that's kind of what it means. Like, it's the courage to love yeah. at, at some basic level, I think. And so it's in those working class arenas, but also in the, you know, the financial service, services yes. world, say, where there's a reputation of cutthroat behavior and, and dog eat dog uh, culture. 
we all need to kind of be courageous enough to to open up. So in all of your research for the book, is there any one particular person that stands out to you that has maybe, I mean, you alluded to this in the previous story, but also that has has been able to change their approach? I have a story that um, comes to mind in, it's a, a person who in some ways didn't change their approach, I think, but I think it might get it to what you're saying, Janet. This is the, the story of um, one of my colleagues, a great place to work, Tony Bond, who was a quiet fellow. Uh, and, he, and he came into the work world, he was a successful college basketball player. Uh, and, and, but when he was in the work world, he was often dinged for being too quiet for not speaking up enough, for being, you know, not the loudest voice in the room. And his perspective was, I'm learning or else I, I know what I'm thinking and I'm trying to gain new perspectives. Um, and at one point he got like called out by like a vice president that you're not doing this right. And he was very down, but he talked to a mentor of his and the mentor said, you know, you're in this for the long run. You, you got to be yourself. And that was very encouraging advice. And ultimately he, that's what he did. He kind of just, he realized that that, that kind of com competitive cutthroat culture was not what he believed in. And he stuck by his guns, eventually found his way to a great place to work where we, our research shows that high trust culture where leaders are more willing to listen to their people, where they value bringing everybody, uh, uh, hearing everybody's voices and bringing everybody along, that pays off. Uh, and, and, and ironically, Tony Bond is now, have a, has a huge voice. Uh, he's speaking at, at organizations and at conferences around the world uh, as, as our head of uh, innovation and also diversity and inclusion. And the fact that he was he had the courage and the commitment to stick with his belief that masculinity did not have to be just that uh, beat the other guy down and have, a, you know, be the loudest guy in the room. He, and yet that is what is now succeeding. So I think that that's an example, not of someone who's changing, uh, who has changed, but is stuck, stuck by his yeah. principles and it's and it's paying off. Wow. And it speaks to the fact that sometimes we have to move. We have to go somewhere else mm -hmm. where our skills and our, our way of interacting is valued and, and finds a home. Great places yes. to work. You're highlighting these great places to work. But I think um, everybody has had some experience where you've worked somewhere and it has been a mismatch. You know, you're you can't be yourself because you're not fitting into the culture or your talents aren't really recognized or valued. And that's an important lesson for our boys as well. Yeah, that's a great point. Uh, and that again, you know, come back, comes back to some of the, the bravery it can take to leave a place, you know, to, yeah. to, to not follow that path. It's, it's, I can tell you just from personal experience, it's, it's very challenging not to feel like you're a failure if you don't rise to a vice president role or a CEO role. And, and I grew up in that, you know, grew up in the 80s, I'm 53. And, and uh, there's a certain amount of shame, I feel as someone who is I've never I've managed one person for one day in my life, uh, technically. And uh, I don't think it's my fault that she, you know, left me after one day, she was already on her way out. Uh, <laughs> but it, but it, in some ways, I'm Ashamed of that, but when I when I do what you say, Jen, kind of realize, you know, I I have to value what really is deeply important to me, and and that's I, I have left places that didn't have good values, and where I could have maybe been a manager of other people, but it was uh, there were places that didn't have high integrity, as as, yeah. as uh, you know, in organizations. That's very important to me. So, I think you're right. We do have to help our boys know 
that if they're in a place that's toxic, that that's, doesn't have integrity, that's not about care and compassion uh, and purpose besides succeeding as a business, they should leave. And in fact, those businesses are, aren't likely to succeed in the first right. place. They're going to yeah, stick. Yeah, it's likely a good business move yes. to leave those places. Uh, the Great Place to Work research and others uh, is very clear that those high road companies are the ones that are that are winning in the marketplace increasingly. Your son is 17. He is on the cusp of adulthood. He's on the cusp of starting to make some decisions for his life and his career. And we know that life is long, but what kind of advice are you giving him to help him prepare for this world of work? I am giving him advice that is pretty basic, I would, I would say, Jen. I'm, I'm, I am trying to help him be passionate about his passions. Uh, he's very focused on the environment, uh, on wanting to advocate for climate healing, if you will. Um, and so those, I'm saying, do that. Uh, a second thing is, you know, stick with those, you know, his elementary school values are great. His elementary school motto was uh, uh, the Groton way was, was effort uh, and grit, you know. And so if you just remember those things, however you apply yourself, you're going to get work hard and stick with it. Uh, that those are, those are crucial and, and not to get uh, beat down by failure. Right. It, mm. That's becoming ever clearer. Like if and guys are, are very susceptible for feeling to feeling like a failure if they if they don't have a success uh, and it really can uh, can undermine their self self-worth. So, you know, just taking that as, as learning opportunities. And that's that's just an important thing. So I guess, yeah, believing in his in his values or his passions, you know, developing those good persistence habits and constantly learning. Even, you know, taking the setbacks as opportunities to learn. I wonder if you have statistics around the, um, I mean, like my dad started his career out of college and retired from that one career. We moved around a lot, but he was in the same organization for his entire work life. I wonder about the fluidity and flexibility now that, you know, as Sam goes into the workplace, as your, as your son goes into the workplace, it is likely they will have, I don't know, 10 or 15 different places of employment. They will, it's less of a stigma to move from job to job or company to company. And also, you know, they're likely going to be let go from a job or two along the way. That's true. I I don't have the exact statistics on that uh, mobility, Janet, piece, but I think you're right that it's somewhere between seven to 10 jobs is not unusual uh, in a career these days. Um, and yeah, it, it, we've seen companies move away from that loyalty in exchange for uh, lifelong employment that we had 50, 60 years ago. What I will say, though, is I would encourage boys and, and parents to be mindful of the, the kind of company they work with, the company they keep, you know, and, and there are more and more tools and transparency into in the organizations that you join through my, my organization, Great Place to Work and others, Glassdoor, you can see some ratings to get a rough sense of what's going on there. But millennials, for example, they have a reputation of job hopping. It's true that people are generally spending time at, at seven to 10 jobs in their careers these days. Um, but what's neat about today's work world is that there's more and more transparency into what kind of organization you join and the company you keep. So I would encourage parents and young men to, to really take a close look at who they might be working for. 
uh, and organizations like Great Place to Work and others give you visibility into those cultures and you can find out if they have high levels of trust, high levels of camaraderie, uh, of care. Um, and those are the organizations that are that are winning, as we talked about. Our, our, the Fortune 100 best companies to work for that we produce every year for Fortune has outproduced, outperformed the stock market by three times roughly over the last 20 years or so. Wow. So it's those, it stands to reason. You know, you treat people well, they have a good experience, they're going to work hard and, and generate good products. And, and that's it. You know, it's it's the market hasn't figured that out, but but it is basic common sense that's that's true in our research and other people's research. Um, so I would encourage. Uh, uh, young men and, and parents to, to not necessarily think, assume you're going to have to jump around. One of the pieces mm. I would add here is like, if you find a great place, and we see this in our research that millennials that, that are experiencing a high trust culture where they are given opportunities to rise up, where they are given opportunities to have a say in the decisions that affect them, they want to stay. You mm. know, there is a, there's great organizations like companies like Cisco and Wegmans and AT&T, and, and there's some big companies target. These are companies that are great organizations to work for and have created pathways for professional growth. Um, so, and you, you find them on our list uh, and they're certified as great workplaces. So there, you don't have to jump around, uh, but you should be willing to, if you don't find a place that's, that's, that is treating people well. Yeah. Your book is coming out what day? October 13th. October 13th, and I'm assuming it will be available on Amazon and elsewhere. That is correct. And uh, the name of it again is? Reinventing Masculinity, the Liberating Power of Compassion and Connection. It's a great read. Parents, I really think that you could benefit from reading this because it's, it's just a overview and it's another look and it's another way of thinking about masculinity and the pressures that our boys and men have been under for generations and what's a new healthier and lucrative path forward. Thank you. That's nice. A very nice summary, Jen. Thank you so much for joining us today, Ed. If you liked this episode, if you found this episode helpful, please consider sharing On Boys podcast with your friends. They can find us wherever they listen to their favorite podcast, whether they use an Apple, an Android, they listen in their car, they listen from their computer. Please tell your friends about On Boys, and together we will make the world a better place for boys. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.